Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Greetings to those who watch below. Before we start today's video, I'd like to say thank you to those who dwell below. An exclusive channel membership you can check out using the link in the description box. So thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, M.A. Way, Julie B, Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, LT Punisher 666, Chris BLK Chris, and Canopsia Art. Also, if you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the channel hitting that notification bell so that you never miss a video. Also, I do sometimes post on Instagram at brimstone underscore below, and also on Facebook at brimstone below horror channel. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Many people ask me why I would ever choose the field of grave digging as my chosen career. Why choose such a depressing and creepy job when I could be almost anything else? Well, to be honest, I never understood the aversion to it. Death is something we all face at some point or another. It is the one certainty in life. So, why do we fear it so much? To me, death is a beautiful transition of existence from one plane to another. I am deeply honoured to help provide peace to the deceased and their loved ones. While others may look at a graveyard and get chills down their spine, I see it as a place of peace and tranquility. That was before tonight, before I knew the truth beneath the surface. I work for the Hemlock Hill Cemetery, one of the oldest and largest graveyards in North America. There are over a 100,000 graves, some of which date back to the late 1700s. There is a real history here, both above and below the grounds. However, it seems that even the mighty have limits, as the cemetery is running out of room, with only a small section near the back left to bury loved ones. I was assigned to dig the grave for one of our last residents. The man was a well-liked and respected member of the community. He was a giant man, at over 6 foot 5 and well over 300 pounds. The casket was bigger than some automobiles, so a simple 6 foot grave wasn't going to cut it. If I was going to bury this man, it would be with kindness and dignity, in a grave worthy of his greatness. We had been experiencing a record heatwave this August, so digging during the day would have been a virtual death sentence. I chose to bury him 
in the relative cool of the night. Relative was the right word for it. I was still sweating profusely, even just operating the tractor to dig the grave. When I had gotten a satisfactory hole dug in the ground, I chose to take a break before doing the shovel detail. I pulled out my cigarettes and had just lit one up when I could swear that I felt eyes on me. To satisfy my childlike curiosity, I looked around, only to confirm that I was indeed alone. There was no living person for miles, just my newly deceased friend. I looked at the oversized casket and felt as if the eyes on me were coming from inside. I glanced down at my cigarette and chuckled. Hey, don't you judge me. I'm not the one in the box. We all end up in a hole someday, so what does it matter if I get there a little faster? I chucked the remainder of my smoke and took a swig of water. I let out a sigh and looked to the casket again. I see you're in a hurry to get in your new home, my friend. Let me finish it up for you real quick. I threw my jacket to the ground near the tractor, because even with the sun down, it was still way too hot to wear it. I placed my ladder at the edge of the hole and set up a floodlight to illuminate the dig site. I grabbed my shovel and began the slow descent into the grave. Slowly but surely, I began carving out a decent-sized square hole. It was the deepest grave I had ever dug, and to be honest, I felt a hint of pride. However, when I stuck my shovel in the middle, one of my worst fears came to life. I hit a pocket of loose soil, and faster than a landslide, the dirt beneath me began to cave in. I had heard of these events occurring during archaeological digs, and it often ended in tragedy for the digger. The dirt around my feet began to break at a rapid rate, and I was sent into a panic. I jammed my shovel into the ground, but it took no time at all, before that ground broke too, and I was in a full-blown cave-in. I screamed for my life, and began clawing at the soil engulfing me. My efforts were in vain, for the more I struggled, the looser the dirt became. With one final groan, the earth swallowed me whole. The last thing I saw before landing was my floodlight falling from its perch and breaking, casting me into complete darkness. I hit the ground with a mighty thud and likely would have broken my back if not for the soft dirt pile underneath. Streams of dirt fell over the top of me and my breath came out in ragged bursts. One sort of irony in my work is that I feared being buried alive above all else. Now, here on this moonless night, I was suffering my worst fate. However, by miracle and grace of God, the cave-in settled itself, stopping the flow of dirt. The good news was, I wouldn't die in a cave-in, but the bad news was I was now stuck several feet beneath the surface. I was at the deepest section of the cemetery, with no one around for miles. I was completely and utterly stranded. No, no, I will be fine. I'll just call for help. I patted my chest and was horrified to find no comforting bump of my cell phone. The phone was in the inside pocket of my jacket, which now rested several feet above me and well out of my reach. Despite the heat, I felt a shiver run down my spine. I'll just have to climb out and be very careful. I slowly reached out and patted the dirt. It was soft, but I had to try. My life depended on it. Trying to get a solid grip was like trying to put a body of water in a headlock. 
Every grasp of my fingers was met with dirt slipping through my fingers, like sand in a... in a... in an hourglass. A cruel and macabre voice in my head responded, How many falling sands do you think you have left? I shook my head vigorously. No, I am getting out of here. I grabbed the dirt wall as hard as I could and frantically tried to climb. My efforts were rewarded with a fresh shower of dirt from the surface caving in on me. I panicked, but thankfully the shower was short. I had to suppress a whimper because now I knew that climbing out would only quicken my demise. Trapped in one of your finest graves? How is that for irony? Did you dig this one for yourself? The horrible voice taunted. I placed my hands over my ears and shook my head. Shut up. I'm going to be perfectly fine. It should only be a few hours until morning, and then someone will find me and send for rescue. That cruel inner voice actually had the audacity to laugh at this. <laughs> it's the weekend. No one is coming to rescue you for days. You're alone, and you will die alone in here. My heart began pounding in my chest like a jackhammer. The stupid voice was right. No one was due to come look for me for a while. I had no family that would notice my absence. I truly was completely alone in this cold, hard earth. I smacked myself, trying to clear the dark feelings. Calm down. You can do this. The human body can go days without food or water. I just need to wait it out. That's all. I nodded my assurance, but my inner demon was not convinced. Sure, under normal conditions you can go days without water. However, in an August heatwave, not to mention underground, do you really think you'll last long? That blazing sun will be up before you know it, ready to fry you like a can of beans. It's so sad to think that there is a canister of water pretty much right above your head, but you will never reach it. I wanted to cry, but that would only serve to dehydrate me faster. I wanted to punch the walls and scream into the night, but that too may just kill me faster. Since when have you cared how fast or slow you die? We all end up in a hole. What does it matter if I get there a little faster? This time I did cry. I sobbed into the swarming darkness. I was in a literal pit of despair, from which there was no escape. You are all alone in the dark. Soon to be a snack for the worms to feast on. Do you feel them in the darkness, swarming all over you, worming their way into your soul? The sad thing was, I did feel them. Within seconds, thousands upon millions of worms were crawling out of the soil and were crawling all over me. I could literally feel their slimy bodies wiggle against my skin. They were not alone either. Oh no. Out of the cracks of hell, all manner of crawlers emerged to devour me. Spiders, centipedes, and every other dark creature imaginable were rushing over me. I couldn't control myself and let out a scream. I began smacking myself all over my body, and that was when I felt it. I smacked my pocket and felt perhaps the one shred of hope in this hellhole. My trusty Zippo lighter pressed against my thigh, just waiting to be ignited. I reached in and lit it up like a Christmas tree. In seconds, the light of the golden flame lit up the enclosed space, banishing all the imagined crawlers from my sight. 
I felt hope light in me anew. I believe in that moment I understood how man must have felt gazing upon fire for the first time. It was such a simple thing to be able to see, and yet it did wonders for my soul. What say you now, demon voice? Going to ruin this feeling too? The voice was, for the first time, silenced. I leaned back and just stared at the flame for a moment. I used it to light my surroundings and was surprised to find that its light seemed to expand beyond my initial expectations. Pushing the flame further showed me an arc in the soil leading to another chamber. I crawled through that narrow arch to discover more and more arches everywhere. This wasn't just a hole, it was a series of catacombs. The tunnels were far too large for an average animal to create, so were they natural? I knew I had read about antechambers existing underneath volcanoes, but underneath the cemetery. I pushed my light farther and saw something gleaming in the darkness. At first I feared that perhaps it was a set of eyes or the scales of some serpent. I felt that childlike fear stretch over me once more, and every part of me wanted to run. Instead, I inched forward to discover that the gleam was actually wood, very familiar wood. It was a cherry wood casket I had buried in the ground not a few weeks back. It belonged to Mr Tillman of the nearby Bakersfield. It looked like the casket had fallen straight through the ground. I felt a strong sense of sadness fall over me. I put this person to rest, and the thought of it being disturbed horrified me. I'm so sorry, Mr Tillman. We're going to make this right for you. I placed my hand on the lid and gently opened it, wishing to pay my respects to him directly. But what I saw chilled my blood instead. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Perhaps it was closer to say what I didn't see, for the body was gone. I panicked and searched around the area, dreading to find his body simply laying in the dirt. However, the dirt gave no token of his appearance. He couldn't have decomposed that quickly. It's impossible. I checked back in the casket, hoping that my fear-riddled mind imagined the absence. But no, all that remained were some strips of his burial suit. Fear and desperation rushed through me again, but also inspiration. I'm so sorry for this. I closed my eyes to the unholy deed as I ripped off a damaged piece of the casket and took out the strips of cloth. I wrapped the scraps around the piece of wood and lit it on fire, making a makeshift torch. 
I push the torch to the middle of the arches, only to illuminate my worst fear. All around the area were the other caskets I had buried in recent months. All of them were forced open, some with doors hanging off their hinges. In all the ones I could see into, the bodies were completely absent. What could have done this? I whispered into the dark. Burr, bal, ang. The horrible inner voice whispered back slowly. It was almost as if it feared the words he spoke. They were words I didn't fully understand. However, they felt familiar. Eerily familiar. I inched my way forward and examined the caskets. Upon moving one of the broken lids, I saw what looked like long and deep claw marks embedded in the wood. I recalled back and panted deeply. Burbal, ang, the voice repeated. I had no idea what made those marks, and a big part of me didn't want to find out. However, if there were tunnels, perhaps one led out. It was my only shred of hope at this point, so I had to go on. I crawled for what felt like miles, and the further I went, the more questions arose. What made these tunnels? Do they go beneath the whole cemetery? The whole county? The whole country? However, there were two questions that plagued my mind more than any. What took those bodies? And more importantly, why? These tunnels were way too complex and unorthodox for organ harvesters, and especially for necrophiles. Who would go to this much effort instead of just going through the top? The question you should be asking is what left those claw marks? I chose to ignore the voice this time, for they were questions I certainly did not want answers to. Not now, not ever. The ground sloped downward, which concerned me, for I wanted to go up, not further down. I shook my head, because I had come too far and had to keep moving. As the ground lowered, the temperature rose. As well, there was the beginnings of an odour in the air. The scent was unpleasant, but not unfamiliar. I closed my eyes and sent up a brief prayer that the smell wasn't what I thought it was. For every grave digger, every mortician knew that smell well. It was the smell of decay, the smell of death. The further I went, the stronger the smell became, until it was almost unbearable. In addition to the heat and stench, a new problem arose. From straight ahead, I began to hear a series of sounds. I tried my best to make sense of what I was hearing. It sounded like the sound of cardboard being slowly ripped by hand. There was also an undertone of water or simple dampness, as if the cardboard was submerged in water before ripping. I didn't want to know what the sound was. I just wanted out. Please go back to the grave now before it's too late, the inner voice pleaded. This time it sounded legitimately afraid and caring. I had never wanted to agree with that voice more in my life. However, I doubted I could find my way back if I tried. I had to go forward, no matter the chill running through my bones. I inched my way forward and nearly froze when I came across movement straight ahead. I slowly lifted my torch on shaking hands. The flame illuminated the source of the movement, and I had to jam my hand against my mouth to stifle a scream. Bathed in the light of the torch, 
was a creature of untold nightmares. Its appearance gave off only the slightest impressions of humanity. Its skin was pure white, as if this creature had never seen the sunlight. Its head was framed by a set of bat-like ears. Its face was all hard points, giving the impression of spikes about to burst free. Its eyes were completely milky white, and I knew in an instant that it was blind. It was not naked, but wore black tattered cloth with small hints of shredded white. It was a funeral suit, I realised in an instant, and the need to scream rushed over me again. Its hands bore long claws that were bound close together and looked very strong. They're like a badger's claws. That's how it made these tunnels, I thought to myself in disbelief. On its arms, it bore something that I initially thought was more shredded cloth. However, closer inspection revealed something far more horrifying. Wings. This creature had wings attached to its forearms like a bat. However, despite its horrifying appearance, it was its actions that disturbed me more. The beast was holding the remains of what I could only assume was the late Mr. Tillman. The creature raised its joint set of claws and made a quick swiping motion, cutting off Tillman's leg. That horrible ripping sound assaulted my senses as flesh was ripped from bones. What it did next would haunt me for what remains of my life. Its jaw unhinged, revealing multiple sets of razor-sharp teeth. It took hold of Tillman's leg and began shoving it down its throat with extreme ease. What happened to his leg and where did it go were things I couldn't even bear to think about. The creature made chewing motions and rehinged his jaw before going on to the next limb. Berbalang. That horrible inner voice said once again, and at once I was filled with absolute clarity. I knew what this horrible monstrosity was. My grandmother was raised in the Philippines, and she would tell me stories and folklore of her homeland. The story that always scared me the most was that of the Berbalang. It was a horrible ghoul that preyed not upon the living, but the dead, an immortal being that fed upon corpses. Though it preferred dead bodies, it would feed upon the living in dire situations. How long had this creature been living here underneath our very feet? How many tributes have I placed in the ground for its waiting jaws? How many centuries had we been giving it a never-ending buffet of dead bodies? But that buffet was ending, wasn't it? The cemetery had reached its limit, and soon the food supply would run out. Would it venture forth, then, for fresher meat? And did I not just give it a perfect tunnel to fly out into the night with? At the horrifying realisation, I let out a loud gasp, and the creature responded. It dropped its meal, and began scenting the air. I shook my head back and forth. No, it can't smell me, not with the smell of death dominating the area. I told myself, just begging for it to be true. The fiend continued to sniff the air, getting closer and closer. It reached out with clawed feet, feeling out the area around it. The creature stopped searching, mere inches for me, and I held in my sigh of relief. The creature turned its head to the side in a sickly human way. It looked like a curious child. 
Without warning, his head came forward and let out an ear-splitting screech. With all those bat-like features, how did I not even consider echolocation as a method for it to see? The creature knew where I was, and it lunged at me. Without thought, I swung my homemade torch right into the creature's face. The beast recoiled and started to bat away the flames. I wasn't going to stick around to see if it succeeded and ran for it. With the fading light of the flames behind me, I could only just barely make out the arches of the tunnel. Relying on instinct to guide me, I made my way back to the hole with as much speed as I dared. From behind me, I heard another of those horrible screeches. The sound of drumming footsteps followed suit, and I knew it was giving chase. This thing had the advantage. This was his domain, his lair. I only prayed I'd enough of a head start. I ducked through arches, never sticking to a straight line. Without warning, a loud screech emanated from the darkness, and the back of my calf erupted in sharp pain. The nightmare had caught up to me and sliced my leg, but only a glancing blow. I thrust my leg back and could feel my foot collide with the creature's bony face. I hobbled as fast as I could as the creature fought to regain itself. I had one chance to end this, and one chance only. By chance, or perhaps fate, I could make out the chamber I entered by the dull light of summer pre-dawn. I ran with all my might and stood below the open grave. From the depths of the darkness, I could hear the ghoul gaining ground. Good, let him come. I won't let him hurt anyone ever again. I shouted to the ghosts of the dead in the cavern. I looked up at the navy blue sky one last time. What I wouldn't give to feel an evening breeze once more before the end. It didn't matter, for this was my end, and I was going to make it count. I found myself dwelling on the one bit of wisdom I'd collected over my years of digging graves. We all end up in a hole someday. So what does it matter if I get there a little faster? The creature lapped out of the darkness at me. Its claws gleamed in the dawning light, preparing to rend me into a thousand pieces. This was the moment I waited for. I pulled both my fists back as hard as I could, slamming into the fragile walls of the cavern. I could feel the earth shake around me and knew it was now or never. I thrust my arms forward and wrapped them around the creature. Using the strength given to me from digging a hundred graves, I locked the demon to my body and forced us both to the ground. Above us, dirt and rock cascaded down upon us, burying all that we were under its unyielding pressure. I can feel the pressure crushing my organs as my lungs fill with dirt. My inevitability has finally come, and I feel myself slipping into the next world. However, as my heartbeat grows weaker, the Berberlang's heart stays steady. It has survived my trap and lies in wait. I only hope my body can work as a prison long enough for it to starve. I can only hope. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and also subscribe to the channel, making sure you hit that notification bell so that you never miss a video. So, until next time, sleep tight.
Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.